0: Hello, and welcome to One Single Thought, the podcast where two Christian single women take theological deep dives and bring perspectives on life, mixed with levity and joy. Hey, Heather. Hey, Rose. How are you? I'm good. Good. Well, we're back in our walk-in closet studio. Yes. Which we're going to name, I think we're going to call it Studio WIC, (laughs) Walk-In Closet, because I think that sounds more official, so... Maybe it sounds like we're in a real official studio. So welcome to studio WSE. We need to get uh someone to make us a little jingle. Yes, a little jingle. Well maybe Lindsay can work on that
1: jingle mm-hmm. for us. I've got some things planned for her. I don't know if she realizes how many musical projects
0: I have planned for she's, her. She's yeah, she's she's our musical guru for this for this podcast. Mm-hmm. So last episode when we talked about our my one my random fact my random thought which we're going to rename that 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 segment today so everybody stay tuned for that. I talked about uh, the Hershey chocolate bar that was a nickel that had almonds in it which helped keep the cost down because you didn't have to use as much chocolate. So one of our faithful listeners Matthew Waldrop friend he's a friend of ours but also a faithful listener Shared with me about Milton a little more about him that was I thought was real interesting so Milton took all the company profits and he plowed them into building a town for his workers which I assume is Hershey Pennsylvania that we know of today they got housing free education parks theaters it had its own public transit system and his goal was to create just a happy healthy productive Environment for his workers and for his factory. So it was also one of the first towns in America to be fully electric. And he did all of this while selling his candy bar for a nickel. Hmm. Pretty cool, huh? That's pretty cool. I mean, I think if I lived in a city where my employer gave me free education, public transit, I would be a happy, healthy, productive worker, I think. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow, that's a really good segue into today's one single thought discussion. So Mm -hmm. I am going to pass this to Heather, and she's going to give us an overview of what our topic is and our one single thought for today. So our
1: topic for today is corporate America, and I know that's a pretty broad topic. We um, are both professionals, Rose and I both have been in the workforce forever, I've been at the same company for 18 years, and Rose, you've been in various jobs and roles for 32 years, which we did the math, and that's a combined total of 50, 50 years
0: of experience. That's just crazy to yeah, me. Yeah, that makes me just feel pretty old. But mm-hmm. We should have a pretty kickin' retirement plan at this point. <laughs> if we could combine our
1: right. experience. So we both feel like we have something to say on corporate America, especially speaking as single Christian women which is kind of a unique perspective from a lot of people. And so our discussion today isn't just going to be on on that corporate America from that singular combined perspective. There's ways to break it down where it can be relatable to anyone. And we're going to be talking more from the angle of working in a secular business because that's what we're most familiar with. And we know there's people that work for ministries and Christian organizations out there. And a lot of this will be applicable because you never know what, what kind of people you're going to be working with. But we will explain a little bit more on that. But just to, to give you all that disclaimer that this is the angle we're speaking from, that we're talking about working in a secular job, in a secular business. And there's also some, some things that won't apply to every situation. That will be made clear in a few minutes. But as we talked through and planned our episode for today... We were reminded that if you happen to work in a secular business or work for a company that is not a foundationally Christian company, your workplace is really a mission field. Mm-hmm. There's really, it really is. And it's it's hard to think of it that way when you're just getting up and going to your nine to five and, and hitting the daily grind and trying to make money to keep food on the table. Mm. But really, it really helps to, to think of your job as a mission field. And so what that means is that it's important for us to be preparing our hearts to go to work every day. Similar to how you would prepare your heart for a ministry or for worship or going to the a, a mission field where you're actually going overseas to share the gospel. Your mission field is where you are. And as someone working in a corporate job or a corporate position, or if you even work somewhere like McDonald's or at Kroger or anywhere like that, you are in a mission field with the people you work with every day. My dad was a pastor for many years, and then after he pseudo-retired, he began working at Home Depot, and he had a whole
0: ministry for the, his co-workers there. Heather, you mentioned your dad working at Home Depot. I mean, I think this also can apply to teachers, if you think about um, mm-hmm. the educational field. I mean, they have a mission for the kids that are there, um, you know, that may come from homes that they don't have, you know, may not have both parents. There's just, I know a lot of teachers in my life have come across a lot of situations and they see their job as a mission field too. Mm-hmm. So I think any job, secular job you have mm-hmm. is can be a mission field. Yeah. And so
1: if you're in any kind of mission field, whether you are working a, a job here um, and you're just getting up every day and going to work and being a teacher or working at Home Depot or working at a major corporation you're in a mission field here the same way you would be if you're going overseas to preach the gospel. Yep. So with that in mind, it's very important to remember that you're going to encounter spiritual warfare when you do that, when you're engaging in any kind of ministry any kind of mission for the Lord, you are going to be experiencing spiritual warfare. So therefore you have to be prepared by putting on God's armor and getting ready for work. And so that's our one single thought
0: for today is how to get ready for work. How to get ready for work. Yes. That's our one single thought. We're not going to tell you how to make your coffee or what to do with your hair or how to put your makeup on, but we are going to tell you how to get ready for work uh, in a more spiritual and emotional and, and a way uh, as you kind of go out in the mission field. So, our discussion that we're going to look at today is going to look at the workplace from three perspectives. And Heather mentioned this before, but we're looking at it, we are each, we each of us are Christian single women. So we're going to try to break it down and look at What does it mean to be a Christian in the workplace? What does it mean to be single in the workplace? What does it mean to be a woman in the workplace? And, you know, we know that some people that listen may or may not be Christians, may or may not be single, may or may not be women. Mm -hmm. And so these things, I think, will apply in a lot of ways. Whether or not you fit any of all of those categories or any of those categories, but although we're going to segment it in that way, a lot of our viewpoints are going to overlap and they will have impact on each other. So we're going to start our discussion today about being a Christian in the workplace. So, Heather, what are what are some things you've observed being a Christian in the secular workplace? First of all in the corporate environment
1: and you you know this mm-hmm. but if you're any really any kind of job where you are not around a lot of christians it is there's a lot of temptations you're going to face there um you would really experience anywhere but there specific temptations in the workplace specifically in a in a, an office environment specifically temptations to gossip to lie to complain there's the temptations of inappropriate relationships if you linger at work too long alone with people you shouldn't be with there are temptations to engage in unethical behavior yep to do things that you shouldn't be doing for the company Mm -hmm. and then also just having a sour attitude just being affected by the negativity or if there's a frustration um, that you're experiencing at work it's really easy to get into just a bad attitude and and let that consume your day So there's lots of things that you're facing as a Christian when you're there, just dealing with the sin, being in a sinful world that we live in, but then dealing with the environment that may not be uplifting. So getting ready for work, going to work, ready to face those and respond, that's very important. So being in the word ahead of time is very important. And I struggle with that, just getting up every day. Like I've said before, I'm not a morning person, and so it's hard to get up every day and make time for that but it really is important that you're doing that ahead of time so you can be ready to face all that's going to come at you that day and then also knowing how to react when people want you to engage in behavior that you shouldn't knowing how and when to speak up about certain behaviors that you're not going to engage in knowing that people watch you and you may not even realize it and then there's that whole question about sharing the gospel with your co-workers and when is it appropriate and when it's not to do that in the workplace. And so, from my experience and I don't know if this is your experience, mm-hmm. a lot of that comes from building relationships, taking it slow with people yep. and building relationships because there really isn't when you're in a corporate setting, there's a level of appropriateness that you have to maintain of appropriateness and professionalism that you have to maintain. And there are certain times when it's not correct for you to bring up right. things of a more personal or spiritual nature. So, for example, if you're in a staff meeting and everyone's going around introducing themselves, when is it appropriate to bring up, if it is appropriate, when is it appropriate for you to bring up, whether you're a believer or not, And it may not be in a staff meeting. That's when people are going around. They want to know how long you've been at the company. What kind of jobs have you done? And they may ask you, what are some things you do outside of work? And so that would be a time when you can say, oh, I'm really involved in my church. Or I'm really involved in this organization. Or things I do outside of work for fun. But you don't have to use that time to go into an in-depth gospel presentation. And it's not advisable because it's just not the appropriate time to do that. And then there's other times when you may be in a, a a meeting with higher up leaders where it's not appropriate at all to mention anything outside of work, and it's it's not the right time. And so you just have to know your audience. But m- the majority of the time, getting on the spiritual level
0: with people should happen on a one to one basis. Absolutely, I think if we get if we get too dogmatic in thumping our Bibles at people mm-hmm. who we work with, I mean, there are boundaries we have to set for that. Like Heather shared, I mean, I, people that I have worked with, they they would, my coworkers would know that I'm a believer. They know that I'm a Christian. They, they definitely know that I'm involved at my church because that's really kind of my whole uh, extracurricular activities <laughs> outside of work. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, it's interesting. Like a lot of times if we would have meet like after hours events and things what I loved is that people that knew me knew, for example, they would know I don't drink. So they, you know, they would be, like, good about getting me, hey, you want a diet Coke? What do you want to drink? And mm-hmm. they didn't put me in a position where I felt awkward or uneased about it. And that was, that was really good. But I think also, mm-hmm. Heather, what you shared about, you know, being it's better one-on-one, you know, when yeah. you have relationships. One of my philosophies that I managed people in my in my career and my philosophy about management is I always want to manage the whole person so I would tell my employees I would tell them if you've got personal things going on in your life I don't want to get in your business but if the personal issues in your life are causing your performance to slide at work or impacting you then I would want I want, you know, I want to help you with that. And so that was, uh, that always, I think, put them at ease because they knew their manager cared. And I remember one time I was meeting with an employee. He wanted to talk to me about, you know, a personal issue in his life. And basically what was going on is he was living with his girlfriend and she wasn't pulling her weight and paying her share of the bills. And he goes, how do I handle that? How can I, how can Mm -hmm. I, how can I get her to pull her weight? Well, of course, the first thing I said to him was, well, okay, let me just say this. You don't need to be living with her. That's the first issue. So, you know, that my take is going to be you don't need to be living. And he was living together and you're not married. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I know that. Mm-hmm. But then I could then talk with him and share, okay, well, here's what I would do in your situation, how to address this, how to talk to her about it. Because we have to remember, and this is um, our associate pastor, Jeff Elif, has said this Mm -hmm. for years. Lost people are going to act like lost people. You know, I can share with him why I don't believe people should live together before they're married. But I can't expect him to understand that or even practice that or do that because that's not where he's at. And so I couldn't do that. I would never do that in a meeting, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. would never do that in an open forum. But when coworkers or employees come to me one-on-one and we have these conversations, it's much easier to share. You know, when we talk about being like, this is our mission field. Um, I have a friend who is a missionary, was a missionary in China, closed country, And, you know, she would share a lot of stories about how careful that she had to be with sharing the gospel. And I feel like sometimes that that's kind of the way we are in the workplace. We have to be very shrewd. And as the scripture says, wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. We don't we don't come in and and just slam our Bibles down on on the the counter and say you're you're gonna go to hell if you don't read this or you know that's crazy we can't do that i do remember years ago i worked with an employee when he started and he was a believer when he found out i was a believer he came in my office one day and i didn't really even know him and he sat down and he shut the door and he said okay let's talk about everybody here that's not a believer and how we're going to reach him for christ Mm. And I was like, whoa, whoa, um, that was pretty, you know, but he, he wanted to do that. And, and, you know, in a way that would be, you know, not in their face, but just the way, that, you know, a way that they would be receptive to it. I would say probably one of the best tools that I have used when I was working is prayer. Yeah. So I was very, fa- I tried to be very faithful to pray, especially when I managed a team, pray for each one of my employees by name, mm-hmm. at least once a week. Not only does that help me in sharing my faith with them, but also it helps me just to be a better manager. Helps me to be a better coworker. So, you know, I think we we overlook maybe this. I don't want to say the simplest, but maybe the most powerful tool we have in getting ready for work is praying yeah. and and being prayed up for that.
1: Yeah, I had a friend. Well, she was a coworker, and we became friends, and she was lost, and I I remember i prayed for her on a weekly basis and i told her that and she knew but she did not believe at all she had no belief and you know she at one point after i think we had had one discussion about spiritual things but i really didn't say a whole lot but she knew that i was a christian she knew i prayed for her and one day she asked me to pray for somebody else. She said, "I know that you pray for me every week. Would you pray for this person who's dealing with something?" Mm-hmm. And that really struck me. You know, this person doesn't even believe in in God, and she's asking me to pray for someone else because she knows she knows I'll do it. Mm-hmm. So that just speaks to the whole the prayer thing. And so even you know being prayed up and being ready to go in the morning, putting on your spiritual armor, but then also praying for. Your co-workers and praying for your friends at work and the people that you see every day and seeing them as who they are they're they're people in need of a savior and they're people that are hurting and you have something that they they can latch on to and just being willing to share that but praying that you'll be open and being able to see
0: when people are are ready to hear it and just loving on people mm-hmm. you know i mean not to be all WWJD, but it's if, you know, you think about if Jesus yeah. was in your workplace, what would he do? You know, and I think he would laugh with the, the co coworker, his co-workers. He would love on them. He would be there for them. And so mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what our role is in, yeah. in the workplace. I think another
1: thing, being a Christian in the workplace, we need to, to remember going back to, you know, how do we respond when we're faced with temptations in, in the workplace but also knowing when you're in a company that may be going in a different direction than you are, than your values, that they're they're upholding things you do not believe in, and embracing those, how do you respond as a believer to that? It's really important to mm-hmm. to be ready to one know what you believe in and why you believe it, but then know understand how to respond to it when it comes up. And that there are certain times, kind of going back to where when we were talking about sharing the gospel and knowing the right time to share the gospel and when not to but knowing when is it appropriate to speak up about a social issue that's being raised you know I, I work at a large company and inclusion and diversity is very important to the company and to to a lot of people and you have to be very careful on how you explain your point of view that you're not coming across as hateful but then also understanding of them without embracing philosophies and ideas that you disagree with.
0: So Heather, what are what are some examples that you think were were believers in the workplace is maybe an example of how they would handle that if someone if if a topic came up a social issue that you know you know that you have a different belief on but this is what the company standard is, how do you think as believers we should address that or should we should we just mm-hmm wait until we're approached or what is what's your thought on that? So I can tell you
1: what at first what you shouldn't do is being extremely vocal about your dissenting opinion. For example, we will have sessions related to cultural issues, cultural issues in the workplace, and I have observed and heard people who I know are more conservative on things or who just disagree mm-hmm. in they kind of are passive aggressive in how they speak but they're basically they'll say something like my my beliefs are being oppressed because i disagree mm-hmm. and i'm afraid to speak they'll say something like that and i don't think that's really appropriate as a believer yes. and i have no idea really where those people come from you know what they're speaking about specifically but we have to be careful with that because as christians jesus promised that we would be persecuted for our, our faith, for our devotion to Him, and that people would disagree with us and more than disagree with us, that they would ridicule us and eventually torture and put people to death, which they did. Thankfully, it has not happened here, but you know, that's, right. yeah. it, you never know. But as Christians, we should not be surprised when those kind of things happen, when those discussions come up and people disagree. And if the majority of the, of the opinion is contrary to what you believe in, we should not be surprised to hear that. And so we have to be ready to respond graciously and it may not be appropriate in those so if you're in a big discussion group talking about certain issues it may not be appropriate for you to voice your opinion because it may seem unfair but it just may not be something that's going to go over well with a group of a large group of people if there's a hundred people on the call it's probably not the best time to have that discussion Mm -hmm. and so we just have to to know when the right time is to say those kinds of things. And really that goes back to those one-on-one relationships when you see the door open and you have to be calm about it and be prayed up about it knowing maybe you won't know that conversation is going to happen that day, but being prepared for those times when those discussions will come up because I, I've had those discussions before with people that were one-on-one and they were unplanned and they just came up and people asked me what I thought and I told them. Mm-hmm but I'm not going to go and proclaim it from the rooftops right? Exactly at, at my workplace. Yes, exactly.
0: And, you know, from, from my experience, I've worked my last company. It was wonderful. I mean, it was just an amazing, amazing place. And we had a lot of opportunities for people, that, especially the corporate location, which was um, in California, but they had a lot of opportunities for people who, uh, they had clubs for people and for cultural and racial diversity you know, homosexuality, all those things. They had like support groups and clubs and things they could be a part of. And, you know, I know without beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know, if I had decided, hey, I'm going to have a Bible study over lunch, you know, once a mm-hmm. week, they wouldn't have said anything about it. I'm, I'm yeah. pretty certain about that. Um, shame on me because I never did that. But that was, you know, that I think they would be very open to that. Um, but like like Heather said, i you know, I think if you have really strong convictions that you just feel like I can't, I can't work in this environment or, or I'm having issues with, with my beliefs and what's going on, you know, I would really recommend you sit down with your manager yeah. or sit down with the human resources department mm-hmm. and just share it. Like Heather said, we have a biblical worldview. We don't have a, a secular worldview. And, and I don't expect a, a company, a secular company to to embrace my worldview because they're a secular company. Just like yeah. I don't expect Hollywood to put out movies that don't have things in it that I don't agree with because mm-hmm. that's not it's not a biblical worldview. So I think if you struggle with that, I would I would recommend talking with a manager or mm-hmm. or human resources at your company, making that known. But just again to make a comparison to being a missionary. In a close country, you mm. have to really just be careful and yeah. use opportunities to to share the gospel and to just share what you believe at a time when it's going to be appropriate. And I don't find that all that that's you know making you less of a of a believer or mm-hmm. less of a person having evangelical focus of sharing the gospel because you're just yeah. in the right format.
1: Yeah, it's being a very intentional on in how you say things mm-hmm. really and. I think I said this already, but it's just planning ahead and if you. praying for those opportunities. Praying for those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then if you know, if you see your company going in a certain direction, one thing you do need to pray is do I need to stay here? Is it going to be, am, am I going to be endorsing something if I continue to work here?
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's a personal conviction. That, yeah, that is a personal
1: yeah. conviction. And some people, so for me personally, you know, I feel like the Lord has placed me in the company I'm in for a reason. Um, I've been there for a long time, but there's a lot of good that's come out of it. And then a lot of good relationships, a lot a lot of good that came out of this that I would not have experienced otherwise. And so planning ahead for those difficult conversations, thinking about, okay, what do you, what do you believe on these social issues? Mm-hmm. And then think through ahead of time, how would you respond if somebody confronts you about it for one on a personal level, but then also how would you respond if you are asked to do something that would be in favor, if you would be inadvertently or directly supporting an idea that you don't agree with. And so knowing that ahead of time, and then also with the gospel, just sharing the gospel, like you said, it's thinking with that mindset that you are essentially in a hostile mission field Mm -hmm. in a secular environment. And so knowing that the gospel sharing... It needs to be spoken. It needs to be said. But do it in a way that is gentle and peaceful and be non-combative. patient. Non-combative. No. Non-combative and being patient mm-hmm. with the timing. And that, like you said, you're not you're not a bad Christian if you don't sit there and present the entire thing from beginning to end. Because sometimes all you need to do is share one snippet mm-hmm. to get someone's wheels turning but also it's really important to make sure to to be sure that you're building relationships because you just want to, to build relationships with people and you're not right. doing it to convert everyone mm-hmm. because that, I hope that's not the way we're coming across because yeah. I don't want people to think that we're in, we're in the workplace to win souls and I, I love my coworkers. I love the people that I work with dearly and you know, I care about them. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's very important that you're invested in those people as you would anyone else, mm-hmm. any other friends in, in, a, in an appropriate level because right. sometimes you can't and especially if you're in an opposite sex a working relationship with people, you have to be very careful when there's people of the opposite sex which will be a good segue into our singleness. Yes.
0: So we kind of covered the Christian aspect of being in the workplace as a Christian and I think it's it's an interesting thing that we navigate so we're going to talk a little bit now about being single in the workplace and what does that look like and and obviously with us, you know, we're, some of this will come across as like overlap being a Christian single in the workplace. But I will say that, you know, if you're in a Christian organization, especially a church, we we have, we set boundaries as our, our church staff. We don't, they don't allow any of this church staff mm-hmm. members, the men to be alone with women for boundaries. And we all, I think, agree. I mean, even in the world we live in today, just in protection of, of their reputation and our reputation, it's not a good thing, a good precedent to set but unlike a christian workplace when you're in a secular workplace you're going to mm-hmm. be alone with men that's yeah. just the way it works and you you have to be it's just part of part of how work goes so as a single single person we've got to set boundaries in those situations to keep our christian witness so when i've been in the workplace it's not that i won't meet with a man alone and mm-hmm. absolutely i did i did all the time i managed men but I know by putting up, putting up boundaries that I can't allow things to, to get, I can't allow to cross lines that I shouldn't cross. And this is real important, especially in married settings or, with, or married people in work settings, because a lot of times, let's just use the example of a married person is a co-worker. Let's say you have a, mm-hmm. a guy that you work with, he's married and he's going through a really hard time in his marriage and maybe he's coming to work and he's sharing with with you about what's going on and we have to be careful I mean I want to listen to that and help him and advise Mm -hmm. him and I've done that with coworkers that have had those struggles that were men but I have to keep a boundary up that look this usually I try to point them you know if they're not believers I try to point them in a direction where they would you know have other resources and other ways to get help but um, you know it can be very tempting because that's You know, that's definitely how marriages will break down because you Mm -hmm. spend a lot of time at work. And so you make relationships and you'll say, well, my, you know, a man will say, well, my wife doesn't understand what I do. Nobody understood what I did for work. Mm So, you know, you have that common bond with people at work because they get what you do. They get what you're going through. So we just have to be sure to set boundaries for that. Um, But I would also say in another sense, we don't need to be, quote unquote married to our job yes so we need to keep a very good work life balance and that is applicable whether you're single or married Mm -hmm. uh you you don't need to let your job consume you Now, heather and i both were in salary jobs so you know basically we worked what we had to work to get done Mm -hmm. so many of many of you that are listening may be in an hourly job so you're just working your hourly and you're off and you're done. But you also may be in a job like in healthcare or another profession where you're picking up a lot of extra shifts and you're working really hard and it becomes all consuming of your life. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that we have to just really be careful of, especially as single people, because we don't have families, husbands, wives, children. We don't necessarily have, now some single moms may do Mm -hmm. have children or single dads, We have to be careful that, you know, we don't just give everything to our job. Because Heather and I are an example Mm -hmm. of people who we don't have. We don't have spouses. We don't have children. And so it's really easy for us, especially in the remote work world we live in now where you work from home. Yeah. It's hard to stop. You just keep working because work is at your house so we just have to remember that as well that wherever you are don't allow work to be all consuming you need a work-life balance and I think that's more of a challenge for single people than others when I right before I got sick I was working like 50 hours a week Mm -hmm. Um, I would work during the day then I would come home and I work at night and you know it did tear me down physically I don't blame my sickness on it but i know it didn't contribute to my health so working a lot of hours can really do a number on you physically as well as emotionally and definitely spiritually i think another thing too is as a manager i really tried to respect the the needs that my team members had for Mm -hmm. family issues as well so Let's say, you know, I had team members who had young children. And, and when I was working before I got sick, that was before COVID. That was before remote work was kind of the norm now. Mm-hmm. Everybody's working remote pretty much. Uh, they would say, hey, you know, I've got sick kids. I got to be home today. And I was like, sure, that's great. And I would try to be respectful just even knowing that they're when, when they needed to get off to go pick up kids for school or take them to activities. You know, as long as they're getting their job done. I want them to know that, you know, they have that freedom and that flexibility. So I think even in, as a manager, I tried to foster that so that they would have work-life balance. I probably wasn't as good as keeping it in my own life as they were. But Mm -hmm. Heather, what are some things from your perspective as a single person on the job? What are some things that, that you have encountered or can share as tips as a single person? Speaking to the the work life balance,
1: I think it's important to keep a balance. Uh, that you're you don't want to be married to the job. Whether you're married or single, you don't want your work to be all consuming. And again, we're not really talking about people that have to work a lot. But if you're if you're just all consumed with your career and you think about it in the shower and <laughs> when you're going to church and like all this stuff, that's all you think about is work. Then you might need to reevaluate your priorities. But also, there's another side to that where if you're single, you do have a lot of responsibilities in life. And it doesn't, just because you're single, it doesn't mean that you are not busy. That you, just because you don't have kids, it doesn't mean that you've got all this free time. Because a lot of, I mean, I, before your situation, I mean, you were going all the time, like you were saying. and
0: Yeah, it was, I mean, I, yeah. I had, you know, I served at uh-huh. church and, uh-huh. you know, I had lots, lots going yeah. on outside of work. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I do, too. Right now,
1: I have a lot going on outside of outside of work. But at the same time, you have to be willing as a single person to be open to when you are needed at work. When they do need you to stay later. Because maybe someone does need to leave to take care of their family. Somebody does need to leave early to go get their kids. Or if there's something going on at their home that they have to, to leave you are free to take up the slack and maybe mm-hmm. not all the time because you've got other responsibilities, but majority of the time, I mean, I've I've stayed later to help people out because I've, I had time and I had nobody else to be responsible for and I've had to rearrange priorities, but that doesn't happen all the time. And it's, it's a balance. Mm-hmm. And so being single, I think you do have a responsibility not to make excuses and then be open to helping out where you're needed and especially going back to just loving your coworkers and is being perceptive to where those needs are. And if you've got capacity, you've, you've got free time, if you've got resources you can deploy, like we've got a class of ladies. If there was somebody at work that I knew needed help, I have people that I can send to get yes. help, you know, to help. And mm-hmm. So I've known of coworkers who they had a death in the family, and they had no support system to provide meals. And it ended up that as a team that we were able to collect meals for somebody that needed it. We did that as a work team. But, you know, if you're not in a church, you don't have that kind of support system. And so as a single person, especially as a Christian single person, what can you do to help out your coworkers who may be in need or who need just need to be loved on?
0: Well, it's a good witness, too. To, to do that to see mm-hmm. okay you know this person uh, we I had an employee who his wife was diagnosed with cancer and they had like mm-hmm. a 10-month-old baby mm-hmm. and we all sort of just kind of jumped in to help him and you know I think as a single person you you know you like you said you got more bandwidth sometimes so you can foster that and help yeah kind of make that happen and be being conscious and this is this doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you're married or single being aware of people that have needs like you mentioned the the person with the death in their family yeah. uh, ways that you your team can jump in and help and you can kind of be the catalyst for that and that's another mm-hmm. way to kind of show love
1: well and so we're Christian singles in the workplace we're also Christian single women mm-hmm. and i realize that we have some men that listen but mm-hmm. <laughs> we are we are women in the workplace and I think the current trend these days is to tout how women are oppressed in the workplace and that women are the ones that are, the men have their thumb on us and we think we can't get ahead. Do you feel oppressed in the workplace? I do not. Personally, I do not Mm -hmm. feel oppressed. I, I, I think we have to be very careful as women, not to assume that every little setback in your career, every little thing Um, every discussion that you have with someone that may not go well is because that person is sexist towards you or they're trying to oppress you. Mm -hmm. And that, that goes against a lot of the ideology today, but I think it's very easy to get into the headspace where you, you just assume everyone's out to get you. And especially when the culture is telling you one thing that, that women are oppressed and that men are holding women back. And I, I just think we have to be very careful, especially as Christian women, not to let that idea take over and really look at it from a rational perspective. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are you really oppressed? Because I, I, like you asked, you asked me, I -hmm. I don't feel like I'm oppressed because I've been able to move up Mm -hmm. and I feel very supported at my company as being a woman. I feel like I've got a lot of opportunities there and I've got people who are willing to help and. And we've got a great talent team and lots of educational opportunities. And I don't feel that way at all. And speaking of the equal pay question that gets raised a lot, I mean, I don't know how you would even know that unless you had insight into like HR right. <laughs> statistics. Right. So, at least at my company, I you don't you don't know what other people make mm-hmm. unless you are a, a manager or a leader. So. It's really it's really easy to make assumptions based on the things you're hearing and the social culture and apply those to your current setting when they may not be happening. And I'm not saying that they don't ever happen. I mean, I'm sure there's places where that happens and
0: people are oppressed and yeah, and we're not so. saying every company I think we both have been very blessed to mm-hmm. be in companies that really do recognize women. And not, and I, I, in my last company, you know, I did not feel oppressed as a woman at all. I mean, mm-hmm. I was able to advance and promote at a very high, I was a director when I, when I left and our company even had just begun mm-hmm. an initiative to kind of help launch women. We had women in business, we would have meetings and sessions to help us grow. And they really wanted to invest in helping women progress in the company. And I thought that was awesome. And I think there are probably, there are definitely companies out there where they're very old school men patriarchy type Mm -hmm. situations. But I think that we're seeing a lot of that trend change. And I think that... You know, even in my situation, I mean, I was able, I was managing people. I even managed men. There was, and I looked at my team equal, no matter their gender, their race, their whatever. I mean, Mm -hmm. I looked at their performance, their work performance. And, you know, some of my, some of my, I mean, most of my workers were women, but they were hardworking, awesome people. And so we looked at every person as a person and not as a Mm -hmm. male or female, which is interesting that, we just didn't, we didn't, I, I've never felt that, but I know there's a lot of women that do. And I think, again, as we talked about earlier with your Christian beliefs, I mean, if you feel very strongly that you feel, that you know, you're being oppressed or that mm-hmm. you feel like you're not getting a fair shake because of your, your gender as a woman, then I think you go to your manager or if you don't feel comfortable because that might be the source mm-hmm. of the issue, yep. then go to your human resources team and, and talk to them about it. But I think again, we're so easily offended and so easily oppressed mm-hmm. as women, as Christians, as singles. And I feel like to be a witness in the world, we, we, we need to not be so angry. I feel, like, yeah. I feel like a lot of times when you look at when people see Christians, people that I know that aren't Christian aren't believers, if you were to ask them, what about Christians? What do you think when you think of a Christian? Most of them think of us as angry, dogmatic, mm-hmm. defensive people. And I don't like that. Like, right. I don't want to be that way. Mm-hmm. and so the workplace is somewhere where you can display a different a different characteristic a different type of Christian the way Christians should be because we're not supposed to be angry and defensive and dogmatic that's not what Jesus taught mm-hmm. um, so I think and a lot of these these things that have happened in the workplace that have caused us to feel this way like Heather mentioned earlier we're going to be oppressed for our yeah. beliefs get that's not unusual but i think a lot of times we just go in on the defense thinking that everybody's against us because either we're a christian or because we're a woman or because we're single i'm being mistreated or whatever and i think as christians in general whether you're male female single or married we just need to go into the workplace with a much better attitude Mm -hmm. and try to debunk these other examples that that are tearing i think down Mm -hmm. the christian witness right yeah, and so to
1: wrap that up into one little package is, you know, how do you go into a workplace with a better attitude? How do you prepare for work? How do you get ready for work? It's what do you do outside of work to get you in the right frame of mind to face that and... For me, I know what it needs to be and I'm still, I've told you about my struggles with getting up in the morning, but I'm really working on trying to get up and spending quality time with the Lord in the morning before I face my work day so that I'm going with a proper attitude and prepared for conversations and stressful situations because those are going to come up. That's just the way it is and knowing how to prepare and, and really it's, all of this like how do you how do you go to go to work as a christian single woman how do you deal with a a secular workplace or how do you even deal with a workplace as just a christian Mm -hmm. trying to to make it it, it's to live like christ that that's what it is and we have to to be prepared to go into battle but Mm -hmm. knowing that our enemy is not our co-workers and it's not the work itself but the, the enemy is is satan and what he's throwing at us and the sinful world we live in and we just have to be ready we have to, to be prepared
0: And you know that when we're in the workplace we, we have to submit to the authority yeah of the work of, of our management and who we're working under so that's how what christ would do i mean uh-huh. he submitted to his father our father and you know i think about so I'm, this is fresh on my mind because i'm preparing to teach this <laughs> lesson and in our ladies' class but the story of jesus when he was preparing uh to be crucified and he was in the garden praying with the disciples the garden of the gethsemane and when they you know judas betrayed him and he came with this mob and and the disciples wanted to act violently they had swords and even peter ended up
1: mm-hmm. cutting
0: off the ear of one of the one of the servants that were what was there and jesus was very clear to say you know put away your weapons like this is not mm-hmm. what this is about and you know he submitted to that authority and You know, even when when he knew he was in the right, even when he knew that he was doing what was supposed to be done to fulfill his father's will, he wasn't acting violently. And I think that's a good example for us is we don't go into the workplace wielding our machete Mm, mm -hmm. thinking that we are going to (laughs) let them know, hey, we're right, you're wrong. That's not the way we approach it. Yeah. And so... Yeah, I think it's the way, to, the, the great way to sum, sum this up is we need to live like Christ. And he lived a humble, submissive life and yet still believing and, and preaching and, and sharing the truth along the way. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so now we're going to move into our next segment, Rose, our abrupt change here yes. to the next section. It is our... Formally, we called it Random and Ricky. Yes. And we're kind of trying to go with a theme of one single thought. So we're going to the one random thought and one Ricky thought. And I do have a little stinger for this. Ooh, I'm so excited. Although, I want to get Lindsay to make this even better. So this is just the start. Okay. So this is the little announcement
0: that it's time for this segment. (gasps) (laughs) It's Ricky himself. A little right. <laughs> Well, I'm going to start by sharing my one random thought. My one random thought is, come what may, I will love Moulin Rouge until my dying day. Really? Yes. What? Okay. Have you seen the movie Moulin Rouge? I haven't. You have not seen that movie? I don't think so. No. Wow. Okay. That's a really good movie. <laughs> it's a little weird. So let me tell you about when I saw this movie originally. I was having a wisdom tooth pulled; it had cracked, and my boss at the time gave me a whole bag of DVDs to watch, movies, various movies to watch, and he said, this will keep you busy when you, you know, you're off and recovering from your tooth, and one of the movies in the bag was Moulin Rouge, and it, of course, Moulin Rouge stars Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor. He said, I just want you to keep in mind that both Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor both are singing. It's their voice singing Uh in the movie. It's a very weird type of movie, but when you watch the whole thing, I cry every time. And the song is Come What May that sticks with me. And Ewan McGregor's character is singing it to Nicole Kidman that, that come what may that he will love her until their dying day. So, I love Moulin Rouge. I just think it's very, very cool. The music's great. The storyline is great. It could, you know, it could mm. almost be a little bit of the gospel in that storyline. Uh, but that's for another po- that's for another, uh, podcast. another podcast. But so Moulin Rouge is actually in Paris. It's an actual place. For since you haven't watched the movie, you probably don't know. It was a dance hall. I actually did know that. Okay, good, mm-hmm. good. Okay, so. A, there's a secluded space inside of pierce's moulin rouge which the historic red windmill mm-hmm. that you see on top of the building that was up for rent on airbnb for three overnight stays in june huh i was so ex- I, when i read this i was like i would have loved to have been able to do this so a little history the moulin rouge was established as a dance hall in 1889 and they had a cabaret show that had the first can- ever can can performance And it was damaged by fire in 1915, but they restored it, and it still has performances in the venue even today. So the Airbnb guests in June, the three nights, three overnight stays they provided, the guests got a private tour of the Moulin Rouge, and they got a three-course dinner, and they got Mm -hmm. to spend it in the Moulin Rouge. Interesting. I'm kind of a Paris freak. I love Paris, Uh and so... I love Moulin Rouge, and so when I read that, I was so excited. I also read, along with it, that there's other historic houses and places that have been up on Airbnb. One was the House from Home Alone. Uh Uh-huh. That was up once. And then, apparently, in California, there's a life-size Barbie dream house. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And that was up on Airbnb for, like, a, a few night, overnight stays. But come what may... I will love Moulin Rouge until my dying day. Well, that is interesting, Rose. Thank you. I never knew <laughs> that about you. New, you learn something new every day. So, <laughs> Heather, what, what's your one Ricky thought? My
1: one Ricky thought for today is don't miss the bird for the feather. <laughs> <laughs> and this is just a little It sounds like a life lesson. lesson. It is a yeah. life lesson mm-hmm. because... I was playing with Ricky the other day. He he is obsessed with feather teaser wands. So it's the mm-hmm. stick with a string and a feather on the end. Yes. He is obsessed with them. He loves feathers. He loves to play with them because they look like real birds. And he chases them all over. Gets him a lot of exercise. Gets that energy out. So one day last week, I was playing with him. And I have a desk by my bedroom window. And so I put the feather up in the air on top of the desk. And right outside the bedroom window is a tree outside my bedroom window. And so Ricky jumps up on the desk to chase the feather. And he is so fixated on the feather because I'm dangling it in front of him. And I look out the window and I see this tiny little bird sitting in. There's a hole in the hollow in the mm-hmm. tree. There's this little bird just looking right in the window at us. Ricky totally does not see it because he is obsessed with this feather that's the fake, fake. The, the fake, fake feather on a string. Mm-hmm. And he's missing the little teeny bird that's basically taunting him. It's like, haha, you're in a window <laughs> and you can't get me, cat. You're not even looking at me. And I don't know. I just thought that was... There's something spiritual there, folks. There, there's a lesson there There's somewhere. a lesson there somewhere. And don't be so enticed with all the fake stuff that you're missing. The, the real thing. The real thing. So, but... On a lighter note uh, Ricky passed grade one of cat school so <laughs> he graduated grade one. He got a little badge it's a the cat school has an app for it so the teacher when you your cat passes grade one you have to send in videos to pass and when you pass she puts she takes a screenshot or a photo of your cat from things you've submitted and she puts a little badge overlay on it <laughs> so he's he's graduated grade one. And we're moving on to second grade. I'm going to start next week. We get the weekend off. So we're going to
0: start. That's good. He gets a little break. A little break.
1: And if it goes the same speed as this past one, he will probably get done in another month with grade two. But grade two involves fist bumping, mat training, so staying on the mat. Mm. Just go to the mat and stay there. And then teeth brushing. Wow. I'm more excited about
0: the fist bump, I think.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about fist bump. There's just a lot of cool things coming mm-hmm. up that you never thought a cat could do, but apparently cats can do all kinds of things. And
0: That's, you're unlocking the skills of I'm your a, cat. He's very smart. His cats are smart. It's kind of like is. leveling up. You're yeah. leveling up every time.
1: Okay, so now we're moving on to the
0: one single oh, question <laughs> for the day. Rose, what yes. is our single question for today? So today's single question is What is a funny thing that happened in your workplace? Because we're talking about corporate America. Right. So now we're making our one single question always applicable to our topic, just so everybody knows that for the future. If you're still even listening to this (laughs) episode, the question will always tie back to the topic. So that is today's one single question. What funny thing have you experienced in the workplace? So Heather, what about it? I cannot narrow it
1: down. And there's a lot that requires a lot of back explanation that I don't have time to do. And I don't think everyone would get it. And I don't think mm-hmm. everyone would think it's funny. So just some funny things. I don't know if this happens to everyone, but if you've ever been involved in a reply all where
0: <laughs> there's a large
1: group of people yes. and somebody re- responds to the whole group, It's the email equivalent to a group text. Yeah, and it's it's really, it's horrible, but it's Mm -hmm. really funny. When it happens accidentally, we've had a lot of those, especially when you're in a big company, and there's these huge mailing lists of thousands of people on a mailing list, and (laughs) you'll get an email that was not intended for you, but it was sent by accident to a list. (laughs) And then people (laughs) aren't responding to ask to be removed from the list. Yeah. Or they will respond (laughs) to tell people to stop replying to all. (laughs) And our company has put in this technology that kills that when it happens. So if that starts to happen now, it automatically gets squashed. Which I have to admit, I'm kind of disappointed. Because my friend and I lived for Reply All fiascos. We loved that. Because it was hilarious. Because people would... (laughs) People would start responding and say, stop replying to all. Stop replying to all. Do you realize you're replying to all to tell people to stop <laughs> replying to all? And then one time it happened and somebody responded and said, please remove me from this mailing list. I got this in error. Well, the funny thing was, is that it was sent to the entire company. The This, this particular oh, wow. email was sent to thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> someone had mentioned said it's really funny that they said that because basically they're asking to be removed from the company.
0: That is funny. <laughs> and
1: so we we love it when those happen because it just it was so funny and then we would somebody one time started tracking what roles people were, were in and so they said like someone did a spreadsheet and a chart or something of what percentage of responders to the email the reply all email were directors what respondents were like entry level it was hilarious um, the majority of people who responded to those were high level oh wow
0: directors and that's interesting yeah
1: and so i just we loved that and that was always so funny when it happened and If you've ever been a part of that, it's just, it's really, it's either really annoying or it's really funny. And I always found it funny. So, Rose, what's happened? I know you've got, because you look like you're just
0: itching to tell me something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so, like Heather, there's a lot of funny things to share that would take a lot more time. Because I have to tell the backstory for it to really make sense. But the one I'm going to share, I will give shout out to Johanna sneerly who was one of my employees and she probably hopefully i think she listens she brought this one up because i asked her because i was having a hard time narrowing it down mm. so in we we worked in a building downtown that had real high ceilings it was actually close to where you work, and we were in cubicles and one of the guys one of the guys on my team was going getting ready to go to florida with his girlfriend and he wanted to have like abs of steel for <laughs> the vacation so he decided he wasn't going to sit at his desk anymore in a chair. He went, He got an exercise ball to sit on mm-hmm. to work. Because if you sit on an exercise ball, it helps you build your, your core. core. Yeah. So it was really funny because we would be on the other side of the wall and we would hear... <laughs> every morning because it would lose air and he'd have to <laughs> pump it back up. And we're like, what is going on over there? Well, one of the guys that... At the time, he wasn't our general manager, but eventually he became, years later, became our general manager. He was real quiet, but very stealth. And so one morning when we came in, the exercise ball was gone. Well, this very stealth and quiet guy had taken the exercise ball and put it up in the rafters <laughs> of our of our building. So... I really don't know how he got it up there, honestly, and I don't even remember how they got it down, but they did get it down. But everybody was laughing. We, we didn't have, it was at the early stages That's of our funny. company, and so everybody was laughing about this exercise ball, and we were talking about how every morning we could hear him pumping it up. And so, <laughs> yeah, so that was that was one of our funny stories that we had, but there's so many that... Yeah, there's a lot of... Yeah, work is a fun place to be and especially and that, amidst the it, you kind of miss some of that now because I think most companies are remote and so you miss some of those funny experiences now. Well,
1: we had one last week actually. Then I wasn't involved in this. It was a prank somebody pulled on mm-hmm. another person, but they they were in a meeting, a team meeting, and before the manager joined the Zoom meeting, so if you've been using Zoom at all, I'm sure most of you have the past two years. So they were joining a Zoom meeting. Everybody, before the manager joined, everybody changed their name in Zoom to his name. Mm-hmm. And so when he joined Zoom, he saw his name.
0: Everyone mm-hmm. had his name. <laughs> and so it was like he had cloned himself. So anyway. <laughs> we, have to be, we have to improvise uh-huh. now that everybody's remote because yeah. you can't do those pranks live and in person. They're not as yeah, funny.
1: It, but, but they're getting pretty creative, yeah. I have to
0: say. I've seen some pretty funny ones. So Absolutely.
1: Alright, well, that is today's One Single Thought. And in two weeks, we are going to be back with a deep dive into Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trusting the Lord. And that will be on August 16th. So I'm really excited to talk about this. And I know, Rose, you picked this
0: one, so I'll be interested to... Your, yeah. Where you, where your mind went on this one. I just, when you break down that verse, and if you have time and you want to read it, you might even not know it. Some of you may have it memorized, but each segment of that verse, I think, really speaks the truth and builds on each other, and so I just kind of want to take time to dissect that passage, because it's such a rich passage, but it also, um, I think, is good to look at it in, in a way that will help us not only remember the verse... And how do we apply it in everyday mm-hmm. life? Because I don't know about you, Heather, but yeah. I have a struggle with trusting the Lord. Yeah. And I pray pretty regularly that, you know, that I can trust Him even more. So mm-hmm. hopefully we can work, we can talk through that and work through that next episode. Great. So thanks for joining us, everybody. And until next time, don't follow your heart, follow God. We hope you've enjoyed One Single Thought. Our theme music is provided by Lindsey Cook, and we're so happy you joined us. Please be sure to share this episode with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. We'd love it if you'd rate and review our podcast so more people can find us and join our tribe of listeners.